Welcome to the fifth episode of View from the Black Cab, the Apprentice podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is my fellow Brits, who we've left in charge of timekeeping for the podcast. And if he's lucky, he'll get to do a storyboard, Anthony Williams. Hello. Apologies for the delay. I was knocked over by an old man in an invisible car. Ironically, after I wrote that we were leaving you in charge of timekeeping, the timekeeping actually came true, because we are horrendously late with recording this. Yeah, I do apologise, but I was really, really poorly over the weekend. Um, Fortunately, I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah, his symptoms were he was very dizzy, he had a massive headache. (laughs) I mean, it's almost like a normal weekend for Anthony. But not, really not. Not not a pleasant experience, but on the road to recovery, I think. Yeah. And the best thing to sober yourself up is to have to edit a podcast. Absolutely, yeah. That is my penance, and I'll take it. Not that you wouldn't have been doing it anyway this week, probably, but... That's true. <laughs> beside the point. Yeah, well. So, previously, the teams took over parts of a department store. In the project manager deliberation, Alexandra quit, and her former team went for handbags, which had low footfall. Sofiane led the other team, what was a crap project manager, saved only by the rest of his team being awesome. Kartik confused in the boardroom, Gronya accused, and Mackay was finally fired. Finally, at last, and exiled to Tokyo. Yep. And in this episode, the teams get a five o'clock in the morning wake-up call, and it's Paul who has the privilege of answering the pre-recorded message. Yeah, and he's uh, he's quite chirpy, isn't he? He's, he's well up for it at 5am. He is, and did you notice JD just lurking around the phone with Bruce on a tray? Like the zombie butler that he is. That's it. He's, he's got bruising pasties ready to go. And Lord Sugar meets them at the Lee Valley Velodrome. Yeah, after you said, why don't they take them to the Velodrome? I was more thinking of a good Velodrome rather than the UK's second-rate Velodrome, but, you know, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. And my first thought was, why on earth would you actually willingly do track cycling at six in the morning or whatever time it is? Just dedication. Yeah, I wouldn't. And I know it would wake you up a lot because you'd be cacking yourself, but why would you get up that early to go on the track? I think you only need the first half of that sentence. Why would you get up early? <laughs> no, it does take a lot of dedication. And uh, yeah, if, you, if you're going to be an Olympian, you've got to go for it. Yeah, I don't think any of them were Olympians, though. I think they just chose to do it. Just a bunch of mammals, weren't they, probably? <laughs> I'm a mammal. <laughs> You're not old enough to be a mammal. I'm not old enough to be a mammal, but I am technically a mammal. You're a... I'm a yammel. Yammel, yeah. <laughs> and the teams are tasked with bringing a cycling product to market, using crowdfunding and a pitch to retailers. After 24 hours, the team who have made the most money in pledges win the task, and in the losing team, at least one person will be fired. Yeah, and we, we're starting to hint towards maybe an elusive multiple firing. Yeah. But the wrong team won, so they couldn't do a multiple firing. Yeah. And the teams get switched up, so JD, Jessica, and Sofian switch to Nebulous, and Gronya and Kartik swap to Titans. I'm quite liking this balance, because it's bringing a nice little bit of drama. I think Titans is still stronger. I thought it worked interesting. I want to see how the Sofian and Paul relationship develops. And just to add a little bit of spice in there... Lord Sugar demands instant PMs. Yeah, I like that. Put them on the spot. Especially when you've just mixed up the teams because they haven't really got that much to go on as you know, as if they've been together all the time. 
It's the apprentice version of an instant eviction from Big Brother Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to think about. Who are you nominating? Boom. Done. And Samuel and JD are the lucky people chosen respectively. Yeah. Samuel gets to be PM as predicted right here last week. Yep. Samuel gets his time to shine. And boy, does he shine. Yeah. Shine would be one word. And it's really weird because on Thursday I was talking to my colleagues about this and it turns out that my new boss, basically, because I've only just changed jobs, it turns out my new boss went to college with Samuel. Yeah, did he remember him? Yes, vaguely. He he was slightly ashamed of knowing Samuel, I think. Did he say, oh, yeah, was he the guy who just hung around a bit and then just went totally crazy? We were having a lot of jokes about him being best friends with Samuel, and I did have to then explain why I call him Purple Samuel. Yeah, I used that phrase at work and then spent the next 10 minutes trying to explain it and kind of thought, oh, I don't know why I bothered really. And why I thought that Samuel was going to get fired that evening. And I was wrong for once. Only by fortune, I think. Yeah. And the teams must create a website, a video, and a publicity stunt to accompany their campaigns. And we've had a good track record of doing these kind of uh, videos, haven't we? So we're looking forward to some real artistry going on again. And in picking a product, the teams get a choice of three. So they can choose weird bike mascots, which are just creepy. So you've called them weird bike mascots. I've just called it scooter crap. (laughs) Scooter crap would also work. Creepy bike mascots is what I've called them. Uh, the light-up gillets, and the obvious ringer product of the bone-conducting headphones. Bone-conducting headphones are awesome. Why would you not choose them? They are the obvious choice because they are pretty cheap, and they are a great idea. They're ludicrously cheap. They're not in a saturated market. They work awesome. Of course you go for them. And they're brilliant when you're focusing on things like safety. Yeah. Because I wouldn't choose to wear headphones anyway, purely because if I fall off my bike, I would then break whatever device is in my back pocket and would probably break my spine in the process. But bone conducting headphones are a great idea, and I don't understand why anyone would not fight over getting them out of that choice of three. No, I I don't know whether that was just edited to to look like they didn't choose it and maybe they chose it the other way around and it was one of those, sorry, it's already gone situations. But yeah, why would you not go that? And it was being pitched by Bruce Springsteen, although he has let himself go of it since you went to see him by the look of it. Yeah, I mean, that was only, what, six months ago, so... he's not looking good, is he? I know, he's packed on the pounds. Mm, But, you know, he's diversified, so hey, good on him. The worst part of the episode, though, was that the woman introducing the light-up chillies said LED lights. <laughs> I have mentioned my slightly anal tendencies on this sort of thing. Stuff like pin number makes me involuntarily shudder. Yeah, and yeah, LED does kind of imply light, given that it's in its name. Yeah, it stands for light-emitting diode. Yeah, it's a light-emitting diode light. It's like saying pin number. Yeah, they don't do anything but light. That's their job. I didn't like that she said, um, what was the phrase she kept using about her husband? Hit off his bike. Knocked off your bike, isn't it? Not hit off. That's like he, he was trying to go out with a, on a date with her. He was like trying to hit on the bike. It's weird. Weird phrase. 
Also, we got no more information about what the situations were. I know. Is he okay? Did he die? What's what's the score? Well, it, it's more, did he hit something or did something hit him? Yeah. Did he go straight out in front of red lights, as I've seen people do, and really annoys me? Because as a cyclist, you're giving us a bad name. Yep. We need more information before I can get on the LED light train. <laughs> and do you know what? Wasn't that impressive a product, really, was it? No, it was tacky. It was very tacky. Who would be seen dead in it? But if if that is the design you're going for, you've kind of got to go uber tacky and just have thousands of LED lights on it, just so that it's really super visible. It was like eh, slightly more visible than not wearing the last grey. When we're talking about cornering the market with the bone conducting headphones, the clothing market in cycling is horrendously oversaturated. Yeah. And especially when coming up to winter when this sort of product would be helpful the most, there's a lot of reflective jerseys and tights and jackets and everything like that. Yeah, but this is for people who are too vain to wear high-vis. You're not going to really corner a market. (laughs) No, and plus, high-vis is about to go full-on trend, isn't it? You know, by the time Nick's auctioned his gear, it'll be everywhere. This winter... High-vis is the look, I'm telling you. Techno trousers, full-on. And also, at 99 quid, you can buy 20 sets of actual lights off Amazon, like I would. Yeah, you, you could you could have like the super-duper, wonderful, amazing bright lights. Basically, you'd look like an alien travelling down the street. I've actually got my bike lights pretty much next to me, and they have eight LEDs in them, and they were like five quid off Amazon. And you just have to put batteries in them. Yeah, and you, you can get like... 100 pound sets that are just like floodlights can't you they're ridiculous yeah, exactly i know i know it would it, it just seemed like a pretty crap product to me but i suppose it's better than the scooter crap in my humble opinion i would not wear them i would not no. be seen dead in them no i'd rather i'd rather be traditional high vis than wear that yeah and i mean i've got a reflective vest that i put on if i am cycling at night but not that i cycle at night much anymore but I am not too vain to wear high-vis. No, and and to be honest, I think uh, anyone who's too vain to wear high-vis or a helmet, then I think a Darwin Award is probably more suitable than safety gear. Yeah, anyone who doesn't wear a helmet is just a knob. Yeah. And deserves anything they get. And then for any other standard safety equipment, if that's, yeah. if that's what you need to keep you safe, I don't really care what you look like, mate. Just be safe. I'd rather be able to see you and not hit you when I'm driving home from work, thanks. If you're too worried about what the helmet will do to your hair, you deserve everything you're going to get when you get knocked off. Yep. So Titans are the lucky people who get to market the LED light-up gilet, and Nebulous go for the headphones. So ticking JD's column already. Yay! Things going well for JD. He's on the path to breaking the curse of Nebulous. Yeah, all looking good, and and so far, you know, his laid-back management style is paying dividends. It's good. Yeah, and the Titan sub-team asked their creator for a £10, a £40, and a £99 reward for the website, and that is a hat, t-shirt, and a pre-order of the Gillet, respectively. Yeah. I'm going to keep calling it a Gillet, because it's hilarious. You call it what you like, Mike. Instead of a gilet. A gilet. Funnily enough, we were just having a discussion about how it was pronounced last week because I was 
that was in your camp. I thought it was funnier to call it a gillet and yeah. not getting told off repeatedly. <laughs> and also, at my former workplace, we were forced to wear horrific gilets. So it's giving me PTSD as it is. Yeah, nice fleece ones. Yes, uh, I'm assuming you've been to the supermarket that runs with Wazda and seen <laughs> the, the wonderful yellow gilets. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely not Lesko's, Baldi or Biddle. Yes, I'm, I'm not going to give them any promotion on this podcast. They can sponsor us if they want any promotion from our swear-tastic calling people retards podcast. <laughs> I, I thought I'd do equal treatment to all the supermarkets and give them all silly names. And Paul, as sub-team leader of Nebulous, doesn't ask for any rewards when chatting with Fat Bruce Springsteen, uh, with Sophie-Anne and Jessica. Yeah, it's like he's never heard of a, a pledge campaign in his life before. He's like, what do you think people are going to pledge on? As it happens, I've actually, um, I actually donated to a pledge campaign about a week ago. <laughs> oh, they, they, they're brilliant. I mean, it's a slightly different... Um, way of doing it but i i regularly pledge on albums upcoming albums so that the artist can actually get them made and finished and mastered and all that without having to go cap in hand to some thieving label and it's brilliant because as as a consumer you get a little bit involved in the process so you get updates and this is happening and behind the scenes stuff and then you feel like you're part of the process when the album comes out and it's really quite exciting to, to be part of that but it does need to be a bit of an incentive. You know, people aren't just going to throw money at this thing and hope it's a big success and wish him all the best. There's only one pledge campaign I'm very disappointed I didn't go for, and that was the Crystal Maze one. I wish I would have done it. Yeah, yeah, me too, actually. I, I was too late to hear about it. Yeah, I, I was very on time with it. I just thought, mm, I'll wait and see. Yeah. And I wanted one of the Bomber Jackers. <laughs> yes, I would have loved one of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sole reason I want to go to the Crystal Maze when it comes to Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you can buy a Bomber Jacket. Yeah. <laughs> High to 90s fashion. Oh, yeah. I, I do believe I had a similar thing. <laughs> I'm sure you did. I'm positive I did. So Nebulous hire a gospel choir for their publicity stunt. Which actually, I thought it was a good idea. Did you? Yeah, yeah, it was a great idea. Yeah, seems to be really down on it, but it was a great idea because it attracts it attracts attention. Didn't see an issue with that at all. I I'm getting a little bit dubious about Sassy Lady Brady's edits because she always seems to sort of retroactively be right about everything. But I don't see why you would have criticised that. And there's been a few times where she's picked up some stuff, and I thought, no. You would you would never have picked that out as being wrong unless with uh, results oriented vision you you know that that's going to come back and bite someone. So I'm wondering if she filmed some of her sequences later. Mm, maybe. I mean, it's a great idea compared to Samuel's friggin' mime artist. What the hell? He he, he goes from being completely invisible to being a, like a newly qualified drama teacher. Come on, guys, let's do improv. In all of the years of The Apprentice, there are certain iconic choices that have been made. And I fear that mime artists may go down as one. If they had lost and lost badly as they thoroughly deserved to, I think mime artists probably would have gone down as one of the worst decisions in Apprentice history. Yeah, nobody ever sold their product through the power of mime. No. Did you see who the old guy running over the woman was? Uh, No, not particularly. 
Because I believe that he had been shipped over from Amazing Race Canada this year because he is the twin of Stefan off of Antoine. <laughs> a little bit bigger, I think, wasn't he? He looks so much like him. And I saw it in all the previews and went, is that Stefan? Has Stefan been moonlighting as a mime artist? Well, he deserves another shot, so why not? <laughs> He's all wet. Even even the song and everything, it's like, what are you doing, Samuel? It, it, do you know, it reminded me of that really cringe scene from Celebrity Big Brother with George Galloway and the cat thing, and it was like the worst reality nightmare for me. It was horrible. Licking milk out of Rulalenska's hands. And I'm very impressed that I can still remember that. Oh, well, how could you forget? It was just, I don't, I I was lost for words watching it. I, I, all I've written is Mime Artist in capital letters, and I was just lost for words. Well, I did text you just saying Mime Artist. I know. Fucking Mime Artist. And bearing in mind, I'd not seen it, nor really been conscious at that point. I was like, what are you talking about? It only twigged based on the timestamp, what you could have been talking about. I did think it was weird that you weren't live-tweeting it. So I thought I'd, I'd text you just a couple of times just to, um, to try and spark up a conversation. <laughs> I would have been if I'd have been conscious. And Frances cements herself as the Weird Al of The Apprentice when she rewrites Joyful Joyful. Yeah, and I don't know if you spotted it, but she also said that she wants the song to stick in their hand. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I was sure she meant to say head, but she said, yeah, I want the song to stick in their hand. <laughs> Very strange. Maybe she was thinking of something much, much dirtier and then uh, got censored. Yeah, hand, hand. And um, JD, of course, fades into the background again as Hunter, Rebecca and Francis are big characters. And Karen says it's ridiculous that he's fading again. Yeah, and he's a happy bunny, isn't he? Um, you know, he's 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 probably just gone off to Greg's. That's all, that's yeah. all it is. He's, he's gone he's, to get the coffees in. Yeah, he's gone to get around the coffees, a couple more pasties. Relax, chill. It's going to be fine. Maybe he treated them to a second cup if they were lucky. Yeah, maybe. No sugar, though. And as some team leader, Kartik says that Dylan knows technical terms such as start and end. <laughs> And cut, because oh, you, you've got to be a, an experienced director to know what the word cut means. Oh, I mean, this episode was just revolving around Alana being completely underappreciated and probably going to win. But she is giving me whiplash with how quickly she's going from the top to the bottom to the top to the bottom yeah. of our, uh, yeah. our power rankings. To be fair, though, she was only at the bottom of their power rankings, I think, in reality. What was what was their deal? Is this just sexism or just based on that she was a bit rubbish last time? Because she's, she's not been bad throughout. She's had a bad week, but I was, I was really feeling for her. I like Alana. She single-handedly saved her team and won them the task. Her video concept was superb. There is nothing else good about this task from Zions, apart from her video concept being fantastic. Yeah, that that's it. I'd have said the pitch was reasonably good. Oh, Carter was cringe in the pitch. Yeah, but it worked. Yeah, but I was sat there curling my toes. 
Oh, you can't beat her. I'm in the right room then. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, oh. That's up there with um, not getting a response from your audience, turning you back and going, am I facing the right way? It's, it's, it's classic. You've got to do it. And in recording their video, Paul insists that Sofiane is put on a bike for some reason. He, he quite specifically says, this is about cycling, so I want to see Sofiane on a bike. Okay. It's fulfilling some kind of fantasy, are we, Paul? It was blatantly obvious that Sofiane had never been on a road bike before. He had no idea how to pedal it. He didn't how, do bad. Where his, yeah, where to put his hands on the handlebars. Because you put your hands on the drops. That's kind of what they're there for. Yeah, that is kind of the point. At least move your hands round to the side rather than being like a normal handlebar. Yeah. I don't know why he was obsessed with making Sofiane do that, but he clearly was. I guess it was a place that would put him furthest away from him. Maybe he just wanted to see Sofiane in cycling shorts. Yeah, that's what I mean, you know. Who knows what kind of relationship they've got. It's all a bit it's all a bit tense, isn't it? And Samuel has the bright idea of his mimes all getting up and dancing when the woman is knocked off, not realising that that might be a little insensitive. I know, what, what is this? This isn't the Apprentice musical episode. You, you're not in Buffy or Scrubs. This, this is not going to work for you, Samuel. You can't, you can't suddenly start singing and dancing about the plot. I don't think any of them would have someone getting knocked over and then everyone else celebrate like Ding Dong the Witch is Dead. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of reminiscent of that, wasn't it? Oh, dear. Whoever his GCSE drama teacher was needs shooting. It's it's like the sort of thing you'd see on Summer Heights High. It is, and there was a bit, um, uh, I can't remember what it was, but there was a bit that reminded me of, do you ever watch um, the Big Fat Quiz of the Year? No. Okay, so there's one section where they get primary school kids from Mitchellbrook Primary to act out a big news story, and it's all kind of, as you would expect, six and seven-year-olds to do. That's what they reminded me of through, throughout this whole episode. So that bit was a bit like that, and their pitch was just as bad. It was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure they've done some sort of body swap with a seven-year-old here. Yeah, it was very Summer Heights High. It was like the sort of thing you would see in Mr. G's room. <laughs> it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And understandably, Claude sees the mimes and is hashtag concerned. He was full on it in exasperated mode this week, wasn't he? He was brilliant. He's going to eat his shorts if this gets picked up on social media. <laughs> Marvellous. And he was right. <laughs> yeah, he was. He didn't need to eat any shorts. I like the fact that we are slowly heading towards Claude probably bursting a vein by the end of the end of the series. Oh, definitely. He'll either burst a vein or burst out and get his own spin-off show at this rate. He's going to burst a blood vessel or something. I just, I can't wait. He's great. And Karen is almost equally exasperated with Nebulous for some reason, despite the fact that they are clearly winning the task at this point. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's not happy for, for no apparent reason. She's just decided that she's going to pick holes in everything. Again, results-oriented editing. And Karthik makes Alana be in charge of timekeeping. Yeah, because there's no hairstyling to be done on this task. Hairstyling and tidying up is the usual role for the one that we can't find a job to do, but timekeeping, yeah. That's bullshit. It is bullshit. Uh, yeah, that that makes most use of Alana's time, given that she's probably the best PM we've seen this season. 
maybe. Yep. And she's also the MVP of this episode. Yeah, because she's awesome. <laughs> and, and she saves the day and doesn't punch anyone, which is good. And Kartik makes his team weary. Yeah, yeah, he's he's kind of reverted back to type eventually. I kind of thought it was going to happen. He just has to take over, and oh, he's he does it in such an amusing way to me. Though I still kind of like him, even when he's annoying people. I find him funny, and I really don't hate Titan's video. I just hate the products. I think it's a terrible, terrible product. It is a terrible product, but as as videos go, I think it's a cracking concept. Really good. It's one of the best videos we've ever seen on The Apprentice. It's just one of the worst products that they've had to flock. If they hadn't been given the choice, we'd be saying, wow, they've done a brilliant job because it was a shit product. The fact that they chose the product kind of negates that a little bit. But yeah, it's still a really, really well thought out video. It was a good job. And JD is happy to just chill out. So leaves Paul, Jessica and Sofiane to edit the video alone with no input. What could possibly go wrong? No, I mean, of course that's going to work out well for you, JD. You just you just say relax a couple more times because that's clearly a sign that there's nothing to worry about. And Claude looks at uh, Titan's website and realizes they spelt Gillet wrong. <laughs> no, and after well, it was um, Trishna that thought it was spelt wrong and corrected it to the wrong spelling. Wasn't it? Yeah. It, was, it was actually right in the video. Oh. She spotted it, put the extra L in, screwed it all up. Oh, dear me. Well, the good news is Trisha's not going to be a massive part of next episode because it's not like she swapped teams or anything. <laughs> yeah. And when the Nebulous team regroups, JD mentions rewards and Paul visibly gulps. Yes, it's it's quite interesting. I love the way they kind of all just look at each other as if to go, Hmm, you know when we said we got everything we needed from Bruce? There was this one thing. (laughs) All we needed was more awkward silence of just, like, Paul looking really shifty-eyed. Yeah, he looks so uncomfortable. (laughs) And I like how both teams actually need help to set up an Indiegogo page. They actually have to have an expert to do it. Yeah, because it looks really taxing, doesn't it? Fill in this box with what you're selling. I'd like there to be a phone call that went out just going, yeah, can we have your services for a day? We need some help with the Prentice candidates setting up Indiegogo pages. Someone will go, oh, that's that's convenient because someone's just set up a pledge campaign for help me set up Indiegogo pages for people. <laughs> and at the publicity stunt, Samuel calls Gronya a buzzkill, which is quite accurate. It is. She she does go a bit stroppy on him, um, with reason, to be fair. <laughs> But in her defence, she's marketing a shit product with a shit PM in a shit way. With people who don't give a shit. Is Samuel one of the worst winning project managers ever? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I can't think of anyone who's fluked their way to a win quite so spectacularly as that. I mean, Sofiane last week was a pretty terrible winning project manager. Yeah, but not this bad. Samuel has the best record in the process. He's unbelievable. Of the people who've stayed on Titans every week, he's the only person to have won as PM. Well, I guess that blows up my theory of it's better to make mistakes than do Jack, because he's he's managed to get away with both. He's currently winning the process. Yeah. I can't see that continuing, though, can you? 
No, not a chance. He's going to get taken down, and he's going to get taken down hard. She'll, she'll get her revenge. The next time his team loses, he, he's probably gone. Yeah. And the publicity stunts can't begin until the websites go live, which is delayed a lot by Nebulous. Yeah, by them not actually knowing what they're going to offer people. Because they have to ring the boss and uh, confirm their rewards with him, which is an activity belt for a £5 pledge and the headsets for 48 Yeah, and they end up making a lot of fuss about these activity belts being worth 15 quid, but they look like tool belts you get out of Poundland to me. Exactly. No one's going to pledge for them anyway, and who's going to pay 15 quid for them? You're pledging to get an amazing jawbone-style headset gun, and here's your here's your little reward. It's a belt. What? Oh, I don't get that. I don't understand it. Normally, normally on Indiegogo, it's like the rewards are either thanks or a little memento, like a T-shirt or a cap or something, and then it's one of the product, two of the products. Tons of the product. And the more you buy, the bigger discount you get in a kind of traditional way. A Costco level of the product. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, they're trying to shift a load of gear. But no, not not on these campaigns. You get a belt or you get to buy it at the same price as everybody else. And Rebecca wants hashtags, hashtag feel the ride, hashtag London, yeah. hashtag cycling. Yeah, hashtag cycling. That, that'll narrow it down. Hashtag The Apprentice. That probably would have been the one. Pretty sure they probably weren't allowed to confirm it was The Apprentice. Do you think? Yeah, it's like when people on The Amazing Race have to go through customs and they, they're asked, what program are you filming? And they say it's a travel documentary or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think they, came, they actually come up with a fake title for it and everything. Oh, what? It would be a bit obvious, though, wouldn't it, by now? Surely it's recognisable. Yeah. And Samuel asks Courtney, Dylan, Kartik, and Alana to feedback about who should pitch. And Kartik basically suggests everyone but Alana. Oh, no. But but it's okay. It's not that he's got a down on her. It's just he's... um forgot her forgot name. Her name. <laughs> and I was trying to think... I don't know which is worse, Kartik. You probably would have been just better saying, yeah, I don't think you're very good, Alana. Then, yeah, I just forgot who you were, really. <laughs> Who are, Who are you again? You again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the baker. Yeah, okay, got it. You're the erotic baker. <laughs> In Kartik's head, that's probably true. You make marzipan willies. They're probably a thing as well, aren't they? Yes, they are. And the gospel choir is very effective for Nebulous, but Rebecca films it badly and doesn't zoom in at all because you can't zoom in on an iPad. Apparently not, but you can point it in the right direction, Rebecca, and it's got a bloody big screen so you can see what's happening. And it ends up that Sofiane, JD and Francis pitch for Nebulous, and Kartik, Courtney and Samuel pitch for Titans, despite the fact that Samuel originally said that Trishna could pitch. Yeah, she takes that well. And Kartik is the first person in about 40 years to use the word snazzy. Yeah, and... It felt appropriate, really, because it felt like the product deserved it, really. I'm very glad that Karen pulled him up on that in the boardroom. I wrote it down and just went, why are you using the word snazzy, Kartik? I think we should bring it back. Bring back snazzy, trific. Uh, what else could we have? Mega. Not off. Not off, yeah. And maybe even Fandabidozy could make a return. Who knows? And Courtney is an utterly, utterly terrible pitcher. 
that was the point when I thought, wow, it's just like a seven-year-old's brain in a, in a man's body here. <laughs> it was horrible, wasn't it? it was, this yeah. isn't even the first time this series that Courtney has been shite at pitching. No, I know, and they've given him another go. It, it it was just exactly like watching a nativity. It was, And then the angel of the Lord came down. It, oh, dear. Basically, Courtney is playing the tree. Yeah, yeah, that was probably his best accomplishment at uh, school nativity. Courtney is tree number three. Or second lobster, if he's lucky. And JD bores people, but at least he admits it. <laughs> yeah, but JD admits everything. Absolutely. Yeah, that was my fault. Yeah, Brexit? Yeah, that was me. If Trump gets in, blame me. Francis is great at pitching and gets the swelling music to say she's great at pitching. Yay. But completely doesn't understand sarcasm. <laughs> so that's a good bonus for his large retailers. Yeah! Or not. <laughs> Bless her. But to be fair, she didn't have much to work with, really, did she? You know, you you can have forty uh, percent off if you take out a big order, or if you were only able to make a small order, we can uh, we can only do forty um, percent off. Oh man, uh, this this really is getting ridiculous to the point of: Do you not know anything about anything? It's ridiculous. And. Lord Sugar finally tells Titans what a gillet is in the boardroom. And it's a loose woman. Apparently so. Oh, dear me. Uh, Alana gets praise for her video. Yep. And Karsik has no idea what the word disruptive means, which is hilarious. Or if he does, he doesn't care. <laughs> he seems to take it as a compliment every time he gets called disruptive, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I am. I'm very disruptive. Yes. It's one of my finer qualities. And then Gronya goes in on Samuel. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she's been holding that in for long enough now. <laughs> she's been stewing on this all day and all night, and it's now time to unleash the Gronya. And then Claude provides some shade. Claude seem, always seems to hold back a little bit, whereas Karen would be straight in with the mm, well, no, actually. But he does normally hold back a little bit, but no. He's given it with both barrels this week. <laughs> yeah. And Kartik was apparently good at pitching, which you agree with more than I do. Yeah, yeah. I, it worked. That's all I can say. And Granyut doesn't miss a beat to call Samuel a bad project manager. <laughs> was he a good project manager? No. No. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she could have joined any part of the, that particular queue, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I like that though because the other team we we got was JD a good project manager? Yeah, no, he wasn't. He was crap. He didn't do anything. He was lazy. Well, he was all right. He wasn't terrible. He just said, "Yeah, relax. Have another pie." And yeah, it's, it's not doesn't mean you're good. He wasn't awful. He wasn't like Samuel that. No, no, no. But he wasn't good. He doesn't say. You know, if, if if Alan says every week, was your project manager tolerable? <laughs> you know, was he good? No, but, you know, wasn't terrible. <laughs> but they always said, no, no, it's been wonderful. We, we've all got on really well. We've had a lovely time together. And it's just not true. And Nebulous's viral video was badly filmed, which we all knew anyway. Yeah. And their website was apparently rushed, and that was all Paul's fault. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, I... Kind of agree with that, really. 
Uh, he, he's definitely got a short temper. I don't care what he says. He's He's got a real issue. And I think he's one of those people that has to really fully concentrate and distractions just really seem to throw him off and really annoy him. And I can kind of relate to that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think he came out pretty badly this week. And in the results, Nebulas get £681 of pledges, but Titans win somehow again with £788, including two of the retailers pledging as well. Yeah, no, I was expecting a bigger win, the way that Karen sort of teed it up. And with some big orders from the retailers, I thought, oh, watch this. It's going to be like 1500 two grand. And they only won by 100 and odd quid. Oh, okay. And they didn't deserve it. No, <laughs> not really. That's, that's the thing. They were awful at every turn. Yeah. But again, it's been a race to the bottom, hasn't it? You know, they've both been, yeah. I was sat there for a good two minutes on Thursday just going, how on earth has that happened? How did Nebulous do that badly? Because it's Nebulous, isn't it? (laughs) Curse of the Nebulous. And with that, Nebulous now equal the worst start in Apprentice history. Yeah. They are going next week to try and win the record of last year's female starting team. And unless something seriously changes in the dynamics... I can't see them winning next week, to be honest. Sadly, because it means that Samuel's going to be in for another week and Sofian, who's annoying as all hell. Yeah. I, I think all the people I hate are on Titans, basically, now. Yeah. Or all the people I want fired. It is kind of turning that direction, isn't it, now? But it's just... I, I think, yeah, I, I really would struggle to see it spinning around next week. And Jessica says that if she wasn't there, nothing would have got done. I thought she had a bit of a middle-of-the-road episode. Uh, the the main highlight from Jessica this week for me, bizarrely, was uh, hearing her say the word product. I just really liked it in her Derbyshire accent. <laughs> I don't know why. But that was it. And if that's your highlight, the way you pronounce a word, it's not a great episode, is it? She wasn't hilarious or anything. I think Jessica needed a sort of quieter week after the great week she had last week. Yeah, you're probably right. She needed to calm down a bit. She had a minute's silence. That's got to be the first time in her life, surely. And she suggested it. Her and Alana are basically probably going to be the final two now. Feels like it, doesn't it? They're both really quite sympathetic edits, even when they've not been brilliant. They've not been pilloried for it. So, yeah, I'd go along with that. I wouldn't, wouldn't object to it. They're probably the two I'm enjoying watching most, I think. And Shugzi takes time to point out that Hunter, Rebecca and Francis have lost every task. Bless them. <laughs> and I really do, I, I feel sorry for Rebecca. I'm, she's done to Rebecca, apologies. Uh, she's not bad. She's not bad, really. She, she, I think it was a bit unfair to target her for the marketing mistakes of this task, to be honest. I think it was a bit of, well, they've brought her back. Better find something to criticise her with. She wasn't that bad. She was average. Yeah, she was sort of dragged on the mud yeah. in the boardroom for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I think just it's, it's when it's obvious who's going, and I think it fairly was, they, they have to dig up something to try and throw you off the scent for a minute or two, don't they? Yeah. And Safian is the second person of the episode to be called disruptive. And rightfully so, because he, he, he got in Paul's ear all the time, and as Paul clearly cannot deal with that, then that's not a clever move. And for some reason, JD decides to bring in Paul, Anton, to Rebecca, rather than Sofian. 
Yeah. Who would have been the only person to get fired over him. Yeah. And this is, what, the second or third time the PM's brought the wrong person back and it's cost them. It's, yeah, I've, I don't know why why on earth would you go with Rebecca when it's clearly Paul and Sofiane have caused all of the friction. Bring them both in and there's a good chance one of them goes. And then you, you're safe and you've solved the problem in your team. I think, honestly, JD was probably going to be going either way. Had he brought Sofian back in, Sofian would have gone as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how it would look for to us. But if you're JD, you, you've got to hold on to some hope that you're going to stay. And that's the only move, surely. It, yeah. There's no way on earth Rebecca's going before JD. No. So, so basically, he's now made it a 50-50, which is a bit of a stupid thing to do. Put Sofian in there. And I'd have just sat back and let them argue it out, and he'd have might, he might have forgotten about him and been them, been them both. Yeah. Oh, well. And Paul apparently stumbled on the one task that was closest to his job. Yeah, what's that? Putting things on Indiegogo. Is that his job? He never actually put himself forward as PM, which is interesting. He's, he's been, I think he's been quite reticent to get stuck into anything so far, really. I don't know whether yeah. he's expecting that there's going to be something right up his street, um, knowing that they do tend to recycle tasks on a fairly regular basis. So maybe maybe he's thinking, yeah, maybe the shopping list task is for me, or I don't know. And Paul admits that basically he has blow-ups after every task. Yeah, he does. He, he can't, can't focus on two things. He gets really riled, and it just all boils up, and by the end of the the task he's, he's losing it every time it's not going to end well that isn't and jd then realizes in the boardroom that he's made a slight mistake not bringing Safian back in i think what's that jd admits a mistake i didn't notice that he did hold his hands up he basically spent the whole day with his hands in the air yeah fire me fire me oh dear jd yeah i know it's it's very honorable to admit your mistakes but you're also playing a game that you're trying to win so maybe be a little bit less hands up next time, mate. And Shugsy says maybe the stupidest thing anyone said all series. He says that he doesn't go into business with people who make mistakes. Uh, yeah, that is the most stupid thing I've ever heard because every entrepreneur ever has usually been bankrupt but certainly has had failed things happen. Well, should we take a look at the last three winners? Yeah. Joseph, who was a mistake anyway. We've had Ricky, who made many, many, many mistakes. And Mark, who was also completely and utterly a mistake mm-hmm. at many, many times. Yeah. So that is bullshit, Lord Sugar. And we know it as well as you do. It is. And it, and it goes against everything every entrepreneur has ever said, that you, you don't achieve anything by not making mistakes. That's how you achieve things, is by getting things wrong and learning from it and moving on. And, you know, we, is he trying to tell us that Amstrad have never put out a Duff product? Like, oh, I don't know, the email phone or the fax phone or whatever it was. Yeah, that might have been what I was thinking of. And he doesn't like shouters, apparently, despite the fact that he's sat next to Claude, who's a shouter, and that he himself is a shouter. And he's got Karen, who's a bit of a shouter. <laughs> and almost everybody who's ever got far in the in this show has been a bit of a shouter. Yeah. So apart from them, 
Apart from them, apart from all the people that have done really well out of being alpha kind of personalities, apart from them, I don't like it. Yeah. And Rekka hasn't had the chance to excel, but it is JD who is fired because he admitted responsibility. Yeah, basically it was all my fault. Everything that went wrong, that was down to me. Uh, but don't fire me, fire, fire the other guys. Um, why? And... Quite quickly, Hunter, Rebecca, and Paul are both saved. Yeah, and get out of the boardroom like a rocket. <laughs> Go, whew, made it. So next week, one of my favourite tasks that they do every year, the buy nine things task, but it's overnight, which is such a great thing because if there's anything this series of The Apprentice needs, it's people being sleep deprived. Oh, yeah. Well, they've, they've given it a go so far, haven't they? They've been waking them up at stupid o'clock in the morning every week. So why not? Why, why, just go the whole hog. Just don't let them sleep at all. Just just turn the rest of the series into, um, into solitary. Just keep them awake for the rest of it. Fire loads of noise at them and, you know, spin them around on chairs. I hope what they do is... As soon as the task is over, take them straight to the boardroom and have the deliberation. Because everyone will be do-lally by that point. Yeah, and that will be brilliant. And uh, yeah, and just just leave the who you're bringing back a bit to, uh, to let them stew, stew on that overnight. That'll yeah. be good. Who are you bringing back? <laughs> Whoever nods off first. <laughs> the rest of us will just sneak out. Whoever's left sat here, just fire them. That does sound like a solitary task. If you fall asleep first... You must press the red button. You will be fired. Hello, Hunter Rebecca. My name is Val. Oh, there's a huge crossover show coming up one day. <laughs> and I think you agree with me that JD probably deserves to be fired. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he had any choice. Yeah, as as you rightly said, if he brought Sophie Ann back, should have sent him as well, but he didn't. So he didn't. Yeah, uh, I didn't get to see you're fired for obvious reasons, but. Um, did everybody agree? Uh, yes, they did. It was yeah. the first unanimous one of the series. Yeah. Poor JD. I bet, well, I would imagine JD held his hands up, didn't he? Pretty much. I think what Sugar probably should have done is when JD chose who he was bringing back to the boardroom, he should have probably just fired Selfie-Ann anyway. That's what I would have done. I was a little bit surprised that he didn't immediately say, why have you brought Rebecca back? Selfie-Ann should be in here. Off you go. Send him in. Yeah, Sophie Ann, you're fired. Yeah, I thought that, that that was where I was thinking it was going. I thought that would be a great ending to the show. But no, nah, he's still only firing one person. There's going to be yeah. a car crash. Yeah, the, there's 12 people left. And there's like four, five weeks left to fire enough people to get down to the interviews. Yeah. Which is seven people they need to fire. Yep. So we're either going to have a triple... Or two doubles. Again, sounds like my weekend again. <laughs> uh, and as I mentioned earlier, Trishna does end up swapping to Nebulous by the look of things. Yeah, and uh, that's what I said. You know, things don't look like they're going to get any better anytime soon because it doesn't look to me like she's going to come in and save the day. I think I know who the who at least one of the PMs is because I I'm pretty sure that Trishna swapped over and told she's PM. Oh, uh, okay. And who's the one on Titans? There's someone who looks very PM-y. <laughs> they have the um, look of a PM. Yeah. What's stressed? Crying, are they? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think it was Courtney, actually. I think I think Courtney's PM for Titans. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe this is the week for Nebulous then. 
I'm still holding out hope that Nebulas are going to pull out a win. Because I would much rather see everyone on Nebulas survive, even though that includes Sofian, if it means that then we'll probably get a Samuel Courtney double firing. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd be happy with that. Uh, I don't know, though. I don't... Maybe. It's hard to say. We've not really seen that much of Courtney in the boardroom, have we? So No. Yeah, but if he's that bad when pitching, when he's not really under pressure... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> how's he going to lead a team, and then how's he going to defend himself if he loses? Exactly. Mm. Yeah, okay, well, that'd be good. I'd, I'd like to see it turn around, because I'd, I don't want to see all of Nebulas go, because we're getting down to the bare bones of the characters now. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> can, can we keep the rest, please? So, is there anything else to say about this episode? I don't think so. I am definitely warming to it, as I predicted may happen as we get down the numbers. This was the best task of the series. Yeah, it was It was good fun. Uh, and it was a bit different as well. It's nice to see them using different media and uh, crowdfunding instead of normal sort of things. So, yeah, I think next week is probably going to be a terrific episode because it usually is. I like shopping list. And we've still got the pre-season promise of the virtual reality episode coming soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll be exciting. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Maybe they're sending them all to Alton Towers and they'll get to go on Galactica, which is awesome. We're not sponsored by Alton Towers and they've closed for the year. I know, but you know, I'm still after that Merlin pass. Still trying. So thank you for listening to this View from the Black Cab podcast. You can join us next week to recap episode six. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Harmstead for me and Bullsboy for Anthony. See you next week. Thanks for the opportunity.